this morning, I, I want to ask a question. We're, over the next two weeks, we're considering this question, and it's probably one of the most powerful questions there is. If you have little people in your life, this is a question that you're familiar with. It's a question why. Maybe you get asked that about menial, mundane things. Sometimes my brain can't handle the whys that I'm asked. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but I'm doing something, and the reason why I'm doing it is complex. It's not a simple thing to explain. It's like, oh, because of this and that and that, that's why I'm doing that. But my kids will often ask me, why? Why are you doing that? myself constantly 24-7, but that's part of the reality of being a parent. Little people want to know the reason why we do what we do. On the flip side, as a parent, often I want to know why on earth my kids are doing what they are doing. That is a question that I often ask. Why did you do that? Often there isn't a very good answer to that. Maybe there's some complex reasoning going on that I don't understand and they can't put into words. But often, I don't think there's much thought that's gone into it. It's just like, ah, uh, seemed like a good idea at the time. I remember Ava and I were talking about this yesterday when she was about five. She decided that she was going to put floaties on her feet and jump into the pool. And so she just jumped in and immediately went upside down. And Someone had to jump in and pull her out, and we were like, why on earth did you do that? Does anyone have a guess as to why Ava would do that? Yeah, she wanted to see if she could walk on water. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to do that? It makes sense. The questions we're looking at over the next couple of weeks are probably two of the most important why questions. What I'm wanting to do over the next couple of weeks, particularly for those of you who may be tuning in online who came along to our carols, I want to give to you the reasons why. Why we follow Jesus. And why we meet together and worship Him as a church. These are important questions. And sometimes we go through life and we don't actually stop explain them. So that's my uh, challenge for this morning, is to answer that really important question, why do we follow Jesus? What is the reasons behind that? Um, I'm hoping I can do that clearly. I'm hoping I can do that in a way that actually makes sense and explains it. It's an important thing in life. I've found that following Jesus is the way to life. So I'm hoping I explain that well. So before I actually start my message, I'm just going to pray and ask that God would also be speaking and revealing his truth to us. So why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can know you. I pray that as we meet this morning, you will speak through me, you'll give me the words to say. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit by which you promised to be with us and amongst us. And I pray that by your Spirit, you'd be revealing truth. Father, we thank you that you're a God of order and a God of truth. 
We thank you that you're not distant, but you actually want us to know you and understand God. And so I pray for the things that we discussed this morning. May we um, look at your truth and the reasons why and be encouraged to follow you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I love that neighbour wanted to say she could walk on water. One of, uh, one of my aims in life is actually to live a life that invites questions. I, I want people to ask me, why on earth do you do that? Um, most of the time it's mainly my wife that asks me that question. But I'm hoping that people will see the way that I live and ask the question, why? Why have you dedicated your life to this group of people and to being a Christian and a pastor. I love it when people ask me that question. I've got an unfair advantage on me because my job description helps people ask that question. But I um, once heard someone say that one of our aims in life should be to live a life that invites questions. Why on earth do you do that? When everyone else does this. So um, this morning I want to talk about why I follow Jesus, and I, I want to share with you four reasons. The first one is one that we've just celebrated. I shared a little bit about it on Christmas Eve. The first reason is because Jesus is coming. God has made the first move. Um, beyond, uh, this is what it says in 1 Timothy. He appeared in the flesh. Uh, when when uh, in 1 Corinthians, Peter, uh, Paul talks about his gospel. He says, What I received, I passed on to you. That Christ Jesus died according to the scripture. That he was buried according to the scripture. That he was raised on the third day. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12 disciples. What um, Peter is talking about what Paul is talking about is that Christianity is not an idea. We don't follow Jesus because we think it's a nice idea. I certainly do not do that. We're, we're not as Christians saying, if you want to believe in God, we have the best version of God for you to believe in. Um, I'm a fairly sceptical person. I studied um, physics and geology at the university. I like evidence. I'm not a Christian because I'm looking to believe in a God. I'm a Christian because God is true and has appeared in history. It's an incredible claim. What we say as Christians is that God has stepped into human history. He's come in a way that can be verified. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be able to investigate the truth of the Christian faith, to know it as a historical fact, to know that it is based in history and what has happened, not in idea and philosophy. At the beginning of Luke, I love the way he introduces his gospel, his story of the life of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst us. Just as though were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
With this in mind, since I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. I love that. Luke says, I have spoken to eyewitnesses, people who were there, who heard Jesus talk, who were healed by him, who had him stay in their homes, who walked alongside of him. I've spoken to all of those people. I've investigated everything from the beginning. And I've written down an orderly, historical account of what has happened, what he did, what he said, so that you may know the certainty of what you've been taught. Josh, Josh McDowell wrote a book called Evidence That Demands Verdict. And this is what Luke is saying. He's saying, this is the historical true story of Jesus Christ. It is a life that requires a verdict. You must make a decision on what you do about this fact that Jesus has come. He claimed to be God amongst us. And the way he lived demonstrated that that was true. So how do you respond to that? Uh, We've kind of learned recently that truth is a fairly uh, slippery thing, that there can be lots of interpretations of facts. That is part of what we have to decide as human beings. It doesn't matter about the history in some ways. We have to make a decision on how we respond to that history, to that truth. God doesn't force us to believe in him. He says, I want you to know anything. I've come so that you can, if you investigate, and if you find out you know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. But you have to do that. You have to make a decision based on evidence. It's evidence that demands a verdict from you. How will you respond to the fact that God has stepped into history? All right, that's point number one. I believe in Jesus because of history. Because of fact, God has stepped into human history and we can know him. But um, let me put my sarcastic hat on for a second. Um, Let's take it for granted that we um, believe in history. Um, Just have to say, there is so much evidence for the life existence of Jesus. It is, it is a historical fact. Our calendar is based upon the date when Jesus was born. We organise history around this significant event. So let's take for granted that that is true, because it is, and there's good reasons for doing that. Let's take for granted even that Jesus is God amongst us, because I certainly believe there is overwhelming evidence for that as well. Taking those two things for granted, though, we might ask the question, so what? So what if there is God, and so what if he is come? It's amazing, it's an incredible uh, fact that changes how we look at the world, but getting down to two tacks, what does that mean for me? Doesn't it just go on as it See, 
when you look at the question of why would God come to earth, there are lots of potential reasons why, why he might choose to do that. God could come to earth for a whole number of reasons, and most of them aren't good. Some of them are terrible. I guess what I'm talking about is that there is a difference between believing that there is a God and believing in that God. It's a difference between accepting a truth and putting your trust in something. Um, there are lots of people I believe who exist in this world. There aren't that many that I trust and want to have a relationship with. So, the second thing I want to talk about is how do we know that God is good? As a follower of Jesus, I talk about the good news. I believe the fact that Jesus has come to earth is the best news that has ever been heard on this earth. I don't just believe that there is a God, I believe that he has come to earth for a purpose. And his purpose is the greatest, most glorious. To tell you the truth, uh, confusing reason. I don't know why God would be so gracious and so kind to us. And it's incredible news, it's great news. Um, John 3.16 is the probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. And it talks about God's purpose. It says, God so loved the world. Did you catch it? God so loved the world. And by the world, it's talking about humanity, it's talking about us, that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John then goes on to say, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The good news of the Gospel is that God came to save, to bless, to give life. Jesus, in his life, he spent all of his life teaching and encouraging and healing. And then he said, I'm actually going to give my life for the world. He said the primary reason he came was so that he could save the world and restore people back to God. As one of the, as you consider Jesus, as you think about how you respond to him, why you would follow him, one of the key things you have to look at is his teaching. What he said he came to do. Um, when you look at the teaching of Jesus, what he taught about how to live, what he taught about who he was, what he taught about the world and God's relationship to it, it's absolutely incredible. Do you know, I'm almost convinced that if people would just spend the time to get to know who Jesus is through the gospel, that most people on this earth would make the decision to follow him. It's just that we don't want to look any deeper. God has given us that dignity to say, you can choose to get to know me or not. 
it was that he lived this incredible, uh, attractive life. He loved people. He was generous. He was kind. If you look at the life of Jesus, you will see him responding to people in just incredibly uh, powerful, uh, gracious, life-giving, respectful ways. Time after time after time after time, he lived a life that demonstrated and lived out all of this stuff. He was God amongst us. In the, in the book of Isaiah, it made a prophecy about Jesus and what he would be like. And I love this summary of how he lived. It says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, he will proclaim justice to the nations. He won't quarrel or cry out in the streets, but no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he won't break off, and a smoldering wick he won't snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Jesus didn't come and condemn, he came and raised up. There are so many examples that you can look at in the life of Jesus of the way he interacted with people, full of grace and truth and love and raised them up. I could give you uh, so many examples. At the end of John, the, letter, the Gospel of John actually says, I've written down all these stories about the life of Jesus. I could keep writing. In fact, I could fill all the books in the world with the incredible things that Jesus has done. But I've written this lot down so that you might believe a Bible-leaving have life in his name. The way Jesus lived was incredible. But I want to share with you one example from his life. At the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, so Jesus is coming in in this great procession People are celebrating, are cheering, it's a parade to honour Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem for the last time before he's going to die. And in the midst of all of that, a blind man sitting by the road calls out and says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus stops, leaves the procession, gets down on his donkey, and goes and heals the blind man. I love but that is how Jesus is. In the midst of his glory, in the midst of people celebrating him, he's not focused on taking the glory. He's focused on the blind man who calls out and says, let us have mercy on me. That is where his attention is, and I love it. Jesus' character is more inspiring. He is without equal. He lived a life full of grace and truth. And what he says to us is, come, follow me, and learn from me. I said I'm not like Jesus yet. His plan for us is that we'd actually 
learn to live life the way that he lived life. We would develop his character. It's like spending time with someone. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a friend who's gone overseas, probably not recently, but sometimes people who go to America or Scotland come back and they've picked up a blooming accent. They're like, you're, you're Aussie, but you're speaking like you're American. Who you spend time with rubs off on you. And Jesus says, come spend time with me and learn from me. Not just pick it up uh, in an ad hoc way, but actually come and dedicate some time to being my apprentice, to learning how to live life the way I live, to see the world the way that I see it. Come and learn from me and you will have more life. Um, that's number three. Jesus' character is unlike anything that has ever existed. And his gospel is you can come and develop that character yourself. The relationship that I have with God the Father, you can have. I've actually opened the way for that. So come and share that life. That's, that's why I'm a Christian. It still blows my mind that God would do that for me. I don't deserve it. That's part of the gospel. I haven't done anything to earn this. I haven't done anything to deserve it. But God in his grace comes and says, I want you to share this life. And that's a human question that you don't refuse. It's like, yes, I'm in. I want to know that truth. I want to see the world the way that you see it. I want to understand what life is all about. And I want to have the character that was in Jesus. So I guess as I finish up, all of these things lead to the fact that we have a choice. One of the things I love about God, but one of the things that drives me nuts about God is that he is patient and gracious and kind. He actually puts the ball into our ball and says, you have a choice of how you respond to this. You may just ignore it. You may hear about the fact that God has come to this earth and go, well, I'm not sure I want to have, I don't know what to make about that, I'll just leave it again. God gives us a choice. He came, he reveals life, he is trustworthy, he is good. But he says, you still have, have the dignity of deciding if you're trusting me. Will you put your trust in me? Um, one of the things I do as a pastor is I think a lot about humanity what it actually means to be a human being. Uh, I did a master's topic actually about human anthropology and I, I found it fascinating trying to get my head around what it means to be a human being. Because one of the things that Jesus does, one of the things that God's Word does is help us to be whole human beings. And we're not whole human beings. When you start grappling with our frailty, our, our glory, the amazing things that humans are, but also the dark side of what it means to be human. One of the things that I've come to believe is that 
as human beings, we have this lie about ourselves. It's almost true. And the lie is that we think we are independent. We think we are not dependent on anyone or anything. And it's almost true. I think what makes a human being is that we're created for relationship. We are meant to relate to things. We relate to things. We find our identity, we find who we are by the connections that we have. And we like to think that I'm able to choose to be not connected to anything. I'm an individual who isn't shaped by my relationship to anything. And that choice actually is to say, I'm going to be shaped by my own pride and my own desires. I don't actually get to choose to not be related to anything. All I get to choose is what I am going to relate to, what I am going to live my life for, the thing that is going to give me purpose, the thing that is going to give me identity. It might be pride. It might be the accumulation of good experiences, or wealth, or power, or all of these other things. But one of the things I've learned is that none of those things satisfy. You see, you might not want to pay much attention to who this Jesus is. You might think that you can put that choice off. I'm not going to make that choice, I'm just going to park that over here and get on with life and worry about it. Not worry about it. But as human beings, we have to make a choice. We don't get the luxury of not making a choice. We have to choose what will be at the centre of our lives. What will be the defining thing that we put our hope in, that we put our energy into, that we put our trust in. And nothing other than having a relationship with God satisfies. We are created by God. We are created to know Him and enjoy His goodness. And until we put our trust in Him, we end up running ourselves into all kinds of trouble and tying ourselves into knots. But the good news of the gospel is that God has come. He has made a way to come back into a relationship with Him to find the fullness of life that he already gives. And that's why I follow Jesus. Because nothing else satisfies. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm still learning how to follow him more. I'm still de- developing the character. But I put my trust in him. And I listen to him. And I want to know him more. And to understand how to live as a full human being as I was created to be. So, there were four reasons for following Jesus. He came in the flesh. Historically, fact, we can investigate that. He taught. He actually speaks the words of truth, and nothing since the time of Jesus has come anywhere close to the truth and the power and the purity of the things he taught about God. His character. I don't know why. I don't think God ever explains why. He just says, I am good, and I am gracious, and I'm going to choose to be good and gracious to this world. And I love that. 
assembly down the life streets in a powerful way. Not just in history, but I've experienced it down to myself. But he is gracious and patient and kind with me. And I love that. Finally, we don't have a choice. We actually need to make a decision on what we're going to dedicate our lives to. The things that are going to define us, the things that are going to be our masters. And every other master, apart from Jesus, makes us a slave. Jesus says, I have come so that you will have life and do this for us. He talked about this thing called the kingdom of God, which doesn't only set us free, but also involves us in this great project of res- restoration that God is about. And it is the only thing that makes it So I'm going to finish there. I'm going to hand back to Kylie. I think we've got a prayer coming up. If you have been bored this morning, I hope you haven't, but if you have, Come back next week because I'm going to ask a couple of people to share. So if you uh, would like to share, I would love to have you sharing the reasons why you belong to this community called the church. Because this goes part and parcel with following Jesus. It's an important thing and I'd love you to share. So please come and talk to me. So that there's more than one person sharing it, so it should be fantastic. That's that. Hi everyone, Jeff here. Um, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, We're just going to move now into a time of prayer together as a church family. We're going to farewell 2021 and uh, welcome into 2022 and we're just going to pray for our our community and our church um, and a few things together. So will you join me now in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for making all things new. As another year begins, help us to live each day for you. Lord, at the start of each day, help us to recognise you above all else. Enlighten the eyes of our heart to recognise you, that we might see you, that we might notice how you're at work in our lives. Give us the wisdom to make the best choices. Fill us with a desire to seek after you more than anything else in this world. Let your spirit and your power breathe within us, through us, refresh us, and make us new. Lord, we thank you that you are greater than anything that we might face in our day. Thank you that your presence goes with us and your joy is never dependent on our circumstances, but it is our truth and and lasting strength, no matter what we're up against. Lord, we ask that your peace would lead us and that it would guard our hearts and our minds in you. Lord, hear the prayers of your church this morning that we may joyfully serve you here at Glen Osmond. May we see your presence in all of its joy in the life and community that we serve. As we move into some new and and an uncertain season in the life of our church, Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your strength. We ask for your power to be constantly present within us. Lord, we pray that you would make us strong and courageous for the road ahead. We thank you so much, Lord, for the blessings and the growth that we have seen in our faith community over the last year. And, Lord, we look forward with excitement to see what you have in store for this new year ahead. Lord, we want to move forward with you this year and we recognise that we cannot fulfil your plans in our own strength. Give us abilities beyond what we feel able. Let your gifts flow freely through us so that you would be honoured by our lives and that others would be drawn to you. 
Lord, we thank you for helping us to make it through a difficult year. Thank you that you've carried us through the uncertainty and the deep waters, through the flames of trials and through the pain of hard losses. Lord, we're constantly aware of how much we need you, your grace, your strength, how much we need your power working through us on the toughest of days. Father, fill us with your joy and the peace of your spirit. Direct our hearts and our minds towards you. Thank you for the reminder that both in seasons of celebration and in seasons of brokenness, you are still with us. For you never leave us. We think of those who are struggling at this time. Lord, we think of those who are unwell. We think of those who are continuing to be affected by the ongoing pandemic, and we ask for your blessing on these people. Lord, we pause now for a moment to think of these people and, and we offer them up to you. Lord, may they know your presence in the midst of their hardship. May they feel the loving embrace of your arms. Father, we pray for wisdom, for calm heads and for maturity from our government and leaders. Bless them with the courage to make the right decisions as they lead our country through this continuing and ever-changing environment. We pray also for the leadership team here at Glen Osmond Baptist. Grant them wisdom in their leadership of our church, not only through COVID-related matters, but through helping our church to become a light in this community, to love and serve the community of Glen Osmond and connect with people in real and meaningful ways. Help them to navigate the uncertain roads ahead with openness, boldness and strength. As we move boldly into a new year, let us face it with the knowledge of your love, grace and mercy. Help us to walk closer with you each day, Father, and rely on your never-ending strength. And in Jesus' name, we offer you all of these things and so much more. Amen. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And as Gab shared with us this morning, we have the option now, the invitation to say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in you. Nora's waiting at me for Christ, so I think that's my cue to finish up. I look forward to gathering again next week, and uh, until then, 